Welcome to CarePod, a safe place to educate, inspire, and renew the caregiver. Listen in with our host, Dr. Kipley Bell, as she interviews different experts along the caregiving journey. here with a very dear friend. I have an extreme amount of respect for her and she has a special place in my heart because I met her decades ago when I was a bright-eyed intern doing a master's internship for my gerontology master's at a facility owned by Marriott Senior Services for which Uh, She was uh, a director there at that time. So this is Kelly Arredondo. Thank you so much for joining us with the Care Pod today. Really appreciate it. Nice to have you. Oh, I'm so honored to be here, Kipley. Thank you. So Kelly has 30 plus years in hospitality, the geriatric health care space. And I have to say, even when I, in hindsight, looking back, you know, not realizing, and I don't know if that's common knowledge that a lot of these kind of assisted living spaces, beautiful campuses for our aging loved ones are owned in the hospitality industry, primarily by hotel chains, et cetera. So can you speak to that and why they they identified this as a niche population, et cetera? Yes, I I think... um... Probably in the mid to late 80s, many hospitality companies were doing very well and just really looking for opportunities to diversify their companies, their services, and recognize that, you know, we had the silver tsunami coming and we had many, many needs in our population with the numbers of older Americans that were projected that needed healthcare. And a lot, many of the services that are provided by healthcare companies also overlay on the same foundation of hospitality. You know, you've got your food services, dining services, you've got housekeeping, maintenance, general support of people, and finance is similar. The human resources in many ways is very similar. And then it would just be the added layer of healthcare services and fitting all of those departments into having healthcare operations specialties above what they already had mastered as a company. So I think that's really how it came about. Very, very interesting. So how do, because now we're entering another shift. When I think of our cohort who's, who's going to want to shower twice a day, or we're going to want our tapas, or we're going to want our technologic <laughs> comforts, you know, how now is the industry going to adjust for yet another boom in the aging cohort, but also in the demands and comforts that we all enjoy? That's a great question. I've been in senior living for gosh, over 25 years. And I definitely see that the customer needs are shifting and customers are just really more particular now. They're more used to things in their own home, comforts, and they want more of um, specialized services. 
So, for example, one of the things that my company, Erickson Senior Living, is looking at, just in the front desk area, is a shift from a normal reception desk to one that provides more concierge services and where residents can come and not only check in with the front desk, maybe find telephone numbers, find general information about their community and what's going on in the community, but also have those services of mailing packages, being able to to find local restaurants that might partner with the retirement communities. Obviously, people that know their names know their preferences. So that is one area. Another area is really in in the building features. Today's customer wants something that reflects a modern lifestyle, a decor that's up to date and looks something more akin to an upscale hotel or a resort. And so you definitely see as the time goes on that the services provided to the customer in senior living are becoming more refined. So how do we prepare now if we want that lifestyle? You see the active 55 and overs, but then those of us that may be older and have small children are, are sandwiched between. So these active 55 and overs don't accommodate children, for instance. But when loved one makes a decision to say, hey, I'd like to be to live at one of these facilities in my later life, how do they prepare accordingly? Because with on average, right, a $10,000 price point a month or so, what does that look like? And I know Kelly and I, just to share for our audience, had talked about doing another episode where we talk about, you know, what happens when you shop these facilities, like what should be your do's and don'ts and your to-do list or things that you should look for. So we'll we'll go into that in another episode, but just briefly, if if you're someone that you know sees this in your future, what what are some things that you can do to prepare accordingly? I, I think that the main one um, that I would say is start shopping early. Start looking around now for different types of facilities research the companies, find out who's really doing the things as a company that are important to you as a customer. So for example, if you're an active senior and you really want to live in a place that has great support of sports equipment and physical activities and pickleball courts or whatever it is that you're into, See who's doing that now and on the cutting edge of that and find out more about those companies. So it's it's really knowing yourself and what your needs are and then looking around in the marketplace and finding out if you want a company that's very attuned to their customers, their opinions, and then also acts on those and changes and develops in ways that support their their customers' wishes and desires. You know, who's surveying their customers? Who's responding well to those surveys? If food and dining is something that's very important to you, you know, look at menus when you go. Look at how the presentation of the food is. I I think in my mind when I think about this, there's a little bit of a parallel to Maybe we might have shopped colleges, gone on college tours for either ourselves or our children. 
And we remember first taking a step back and saying, do we want a large? Do we want medium size? Do we want small? What kind of feel do we do we want when we get there? What are the some of the things that are important to us? And I think those things draw a bit of a parallel to me that, you know, we're really looking for a community of people that we want to be with. And then we're looking for some of these other uh, intangibles that are, you know, if we stop and think about yeah, definitely. Like what's our quality of life? What, what do we like as people and, and try and find the best fit now and then watch those companies. I think additionally, I would say, look at the companies you like and see what the cost is going to be and maybe project some of that cost out. So you can fit your savings plan, retirement savings plan to kind of meet your goals. Gotcha. Those would be the two things I would say. Now, do you you know these, um, like how the hotel industry will have options to, uh, let's say, buy into residences or vacation properties, et cetera. Are there mechanisms in place to pay into your future long-term care lifestyle? Well, there are definitely options to do things such as many, many retirement communities have priority lists. So what you can do is if you identify a few places that you love and maybe you're nearing retirement in the next 10 years or so, you can start shopping and then for a small fee, many are around $1,000, some are less, you can get on their priority depositor list. And what that allows you to do is to basically save your place for the time that you would like to move so that when you move, you're sort of already in line for the the first choice of the apartments that might be available at that time. And they have your information. And also what being on a priority list does is opens up the channels of communication between you and that company. So they will send you their newsletters. They will invite you to special events. And you really get a insider's look at the community well before you need to make your decision to move. Mm-hmm. So that, mm-hmm. that would be my idea that I would say. So over your career, what do you think is working and what do you think isn't working? It, it, it definitely varies by company, what's, what's working and what's not. I think in general, over my career, I would say that in healthcare and in the other services that we provide to our customer, the senior living industry is definitely in the people industry. So one of the sensitivities to the industry is whatever is happening by and large in our communities with our workforces is one of the main things that impacts services and the lifestyle of the residents. One example I would say was COVID. You know, it really greatly impacted our workforce. And so we could see that, and and we all know this from just being out and generally trying to get services. It it was a difficult time, right? Mm-hmm, it was, mm-hmm. you know, a time where there were shortages. There were times that you would go to a restaurant and the service wasn't as good as it usually is because they didn't have the staff that night. So some people had gotten sick or had been exposed and had to quarantine. Yeah. So those those people issues I think really are important issues to look at. I would say when 
thinking about healthcare, you know, one of the considerations that I personally will make is what is the local labor market around where I'm choosing to move? Just looking for a place that has an available workforce to staff what they need to staff and to get the support from the workforce that they need. And then the other thing I would say is how do mm-hmm. they treat their workforce? I think it's, it's mm-hmm. definitely something to look at. You know, mm-hmm. are you uh, dealing with a company that values their people, that recognizes them and celebrates them? Uh, the staff aren't getting what they need from their companies. That would be another thing, another uh, sensitivity to, to the healthcare market. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Are these companies offering, you know, scholarship is not the terminology in this space, but, you know, set aside monies for populations that have lower access to care, underserved, et cetera, to have the opportunity to live in these types of facilities? When you talk about scholarships, many, many of the the retirement communities that I'm aware of hire a lot of student servers in the dining room. And Many of those communities have either mostly through the residence or company or blend scholarship opportunities for the students. A lot of these communities have resident advisory councils, and the councils often are very concerned about the educational pursuits for the staff and do a lot to support them. So for example, I know at Erickson, depending on the community, we offer the students that work for us during high school anywhere from $4,000 to $8,000 in scholarship money if they stay for a certain amount of period of time during high school to uh, work with the residents and serve them. Um, oh, that's a, that's a great uh, option. Yeah, it's a, it's a and it's really a wonderful job for teenagers. We just see so many young people who come into their job on the first day. They're shy. They're a little bit quiet. They're maybe a little bit anxious about talking to people. And then they get with the the residents, and there's this beautiful intergenerational connection that happens. And mm-hmm. you know, the residents become friends to them, they become surrogate grandparents to them, mentors, and these there's just beautiful relationships. And what the residents get back is kind of that youthful spirit and that joy for life that that only young people can bring in a certain way. And it's it's wonderful to watch. And it's it's great to see the young people transform from maybe maybe not being as comfortable in their skin. Um, and not feeling comfortable around others to really just being able to talk to people and be comfortable around people and walk away with a new confidence and self-assurity that they hadn't had previously. Absolutely. And uh, respect, you know, respect, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, I think we have gotten away from on both sides of the generational age gap, if you will. So I think yeah. uh, it's still it's still important to honor these stories and these loved ones and allowing them to be to feel seen and also our, our young people to feel seen. So I'm definitely a big proponent of the intergenerational programming. So yeah. I ask every guest, you know, what's your why? 
why did you choose to go into this sub niche of the hospitality space? I really have a two whys that have me just love working in healthcare. One, uh, as I said earlier, I, I came from hospitality and I have always enjoyed working with frontline staff. I just see what they do every day and I'm in all of it. There's a lot of hard work industry and just service attitude that goes into what they do at work and how they do it. And I feel honored to work with them. And then um, having the opportunity early in my career to go and work in a senior living community and meet the residents and be around them. I have just a second appreciation and love for what our elderly population gives back to us, their wisdom, their stories, their insights, and just their love for others and willingness to help and serve others. I think it's a beautiful thing. So I go to work in senior living space and I feel as though I'm truly blessed as a person to be able to work around the frontline staff and um, the residents each and every day. It's amazing. Amazing. Do you have a specific aging loved one that is giving you any kind of special chicken soup for your soul you want to share with our audience? <laughs> yeah, I will. I will share. Um, I have to put them in a lump. Some. Uh, um, my aunts, I think, have been the older people in my life that have just poured into me and been my connection to others that have gone before them and just always been there to lend a listening ear and just provide comfort and support at different times in life. I had many aunts and uncles and I'm down to my two aunts, my Aunt Diane and my Aunt Marie, and I love them both. And we just lost our Aunt Joyce and we will be celebrating her life on November 5th. So, Oh, wow. Um, I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Kim. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got to see them all this summer. On a, I went on an ant trip to make sure I saw them all. So That's great. It's important. It's yeah. important. It's important. <laughs> well, Listen, I'm I'm so happy to have you. We're going to do our part two where we can kind of get into the nitty gritty of shopping for assisted living. But again, thank you for being a part of the the care pod. And I just am happy to glean on your experience and help educate our audience around, you know, this chapter of and and why we should be thinking about the future, um, what we like and don't like and how we would like to spend those years of our life. So I, I really appreciate it. Well, typically I've been following your content uh, online for a long time and your your education, your experience and wisdom in this area, and just your way of presenting and sharing topics that are so important to the caregiving community and, and the care servers. is It's just great to see online and we appreciate you and we want to Uh, cheer you on and say keep up the good work because what you do is important and we love it thank you so much thank you very much great information right from the source for more information on how to care give like a boss check out impactfulcaregiving.com want to be a guest on the show 
contact us at carepod at impactfulcaregiving.com.